1: Like we might call someone a sinner or an adulterer or a philanderer. You were considered a Corinthian. To do these things was considered to Corinthianize. But Paul went there because the people were there. And one thing has not
0: changed God loves people more than anything.
1: Have you ever had those times in your life where the chaos and the confusion of the world seems to paralyze you? You look at what's going on and you think, I, I don't know how to go forward. I'm not sure what to do. And have you ever had those times even in your faith journey? Maybe someone did something or said something. Maybe something happened to you and. And you stepped away for a season. If so, you're not alone. That's not uncommon. And apparently it never has been in the Christian faith because in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul continually says things like, don't quit, stay at it, keep fighting, run the race, finish. And yet it's challenging I read recently that as few as one in ten who begin in vocational ministry retire in ministry. Could it be because as we see in the book of Acts, when God begins to work and do things, Satan shows up and works overtime. Satan begins to claw away at us and, and shoot his darts and his arrows in such a way that Many give in to the temptation and quit. That's why I think God gives us so many avenues of encouragement. We're encouraged by the scriptures. I love the fact that I can open God's word and it is alive. It breathes into my life hope and help. The scriptures. Uh, We are encouraged not only by the scriptures, we're encouraged by the saints, right? Amen. And that's why the church is so important. That, that's why the Bible says, don't forsake, don't neglect coming together. Because when you come together, you are built up, you're encouraged. And that's what we do. Life is better together. And I just look around this room at some of the encouragers that have been in my life in recent years. and Even in recent days, we're encouraged by the saints. And then as Christ followers, we're encouraged by the spirit of God. We have the Holy Spirit. He's our counselor. He's our comforter. And then we're encouraged by the Savior himself. By Jesus Christ. And in the book of Acts, we see the Apostle Paul encouraged in all these ways as the kingdom of God keeps advancing through the known world. And in Acts 18, we have a snapshot of that advance. In fact, you could call this a year in the life of the Apostle Paul, except it's really a year and a half in the life of the Apostle Paul. You look at Acts 18 and it's kind of like looking at uh, a high school yearbook. Because you, you see at a moment in time where people were and what they were doing and how God was using them. And so I was thinking about this and I thought maybe you would like to see kind of some snapshots from, from some of our leaders' yearbooks. So, like, here's Brianna. Brianna leads our children's ministry. Oh, that was from last year and when she was in high school. <laughs> Not really. She is young, but not that young. And, and then, of course, our preschool director you just heard from, Miss Melody Strickland. She grew up in this church. Yeah. And then get ready, because I know you're going to go, aw, again. This one, this is when he had hair. This is our student pastor, Brent Porter. Aw. <laughs> yeah. And then we have our pastoral resident who's about to be a dad for the first time any moment now, Connor. You see Connor here again. I think that was from last month. And all the way from Argentina, Lucas Fernandez Paz, you see Lucas here. And then this next guy, I remember when he was five years old, so we didn't go back quite that far, but here's little DJ Bots. isn't that cute? Yeah. And then I've known this guy a long time too, here's, here's uh, Pastor Jeff. And then this one, Pastor Nick. Check out Pastor Nick. That's trouble. That's trouble. And then back in the day, everybody had hair, including Pastor Buck. Now, when I was in the yearbook, it was just black and white. We didn't have color TV or color pictures back then. So there you see me all. And so we've got snapshots, snapshots of gospel living in Acts 18. And really, you could think of this just like a yearbook. Acts 18 gives us an every man and every woman's guide to gospel living. That's what we're praying for today. Let's pray together. So Father, again, we ask you to meet us in this place for your purpose. Be glorified in our time together, teaching us what we do not know, giving us what we don't have, making us what we've not yet become, so that we might live for your glory and your pleasure, so that the kingdom, the gospel, might advance in our world, change us, and begin in me. So now may the words I say and even my thoughts please you, God, for you're my strength, you're my redeemer. We ask this in your name, amen. We're in Acts 18, let's begin in verse 1. Acts 18:1. this is the word of God. After this, Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. In Acts 17, we found Paul in the city of Athens, this world city that Much of the world today has still been influenced by ancient Athens, Greece. We know what took place in Athens. It ends with him at the Areopagus there in the marketplace talking to those who would listen, who were curious about all things religious. Athens was a place that had more gods, it was said, than they had men. So they had even worshiping altars to unknown gods. So Paul's taking advantage of that, and he's speaking to this religious curiosity, and he reminds them at the end of Acts 17 that God is the creator of all things that ever have been created. He's the sustainer of life. He's the provider, the giver of life. But he's um, he's also the God that can give them help and hope in their daily living, and he's also the God that will one day judge everybody who's ever lived. At the end of his message there in Athens, we see that um, some people respond, some people just take it in, and some people outright reject. And we're reminded, just as it is throughout Paul's missionary journeys, that that's always the response to the gospel. Now, Athens, as I mentioned, was an important city, but Paul has, in Acts 18, moved on to Corinth. Corinth was a megacity many times larger than Athens. Corinth in this season could have been as large as three quarters of a million people. Now to fully understand that, you need to recognize that after the fall of the Roman Empire, there would not be another city of a million people until the 1800s when London became that city. Think about it this way. In eighteen fifty, there were only four cities with more than a million inhabitants. In nineteen eighty, there were two hundred and twenty five. Today, there are five hundred and twelve. In nineteen fifty, there were only two cities in the world, London and New York, with over two are over ten million people. Today, there are thirty three cities worldwide. The world is coming to our cities. and By the way, that's the reason the Apostle Paul went to the cities. He recognized if he goes to where the people are, he will reach more people who will then reach more people. That's why in our church, we've visioned to plant a church in London, England, because we believe that in this city, there's still a mega city in our world and has been for many, many years a city that is growing with people from all over the world, there's a desperate need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we want to do there what we're believing God is leading us to do here, to to do whatever it takes, wherever we are, to shine with that light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. So Paul went to the large cities just as we feel called to go to the large cities. Athens was known primarily for philosophy. Corinth was not known for anything near that good. Corinth was on a trade route and so there were many people that would come there but there were also many ways to get involved in things that were dishonoring to the one true God. So Corinth became known as a city that was immoral. In fact, you've probably heard this before, but if you lived in that day and you were doing things that were immoral, you were considered a Corinthian, like we might call someone a sinner or an adulterer or a philanderer. You were considered a Corinthian. To do these things was considered to Corinthianize, but Paul went there because the people were there and
0: one thing has not changed. God loves people more than anything. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message... Here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Let me
1: ask a question as we get started. Are you willing to go anywhere God tells you to go for the sake of the gospel? Are you willing to do anything God asks you to do for the advancement of his kingdom? This morning during my devotional time, I open as I do almost every day, my utmost for his highest, that great devotional by Oswald Chambers. I want you to listen to what it said today. As long as you maintain your own personal interest and ambitions, you cannot be completely aligned or identified with God's interest. This can only be accomplished by giving up all of your personal plans once and for all. And by allowing God to take you directly into his purpose for the world, your understanding of your ways must also be surrendered because they are now the ways of the Lord. I must learn that the purpose of my life belongs to God, not me." At the core of the Christian faith is that understanding that we surrender our lives and we really do say, I will follow you wherever you lead, I will go. Failure to do that must cause us to at least ask the question, have I ever truly become a follower of Jesus Christ? Takes us to our first lesson in our guide to gospel living. It's a simple principle. Here it is. We must be ready to go. Be ready to go. Look at verse 2 of Acts 18. And he found a Jew named Achilla, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And when he went to see them, and because of the same trait... And he went to see them and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade and he reasoned with them in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. Jesus. So shortly after Paul arrives in Corinth, this evil city, he meets Achilla and Priscilla. And by the way, you know where we think he met them? At the synagogue. He met them at church because it was his custom to first go to the synagogue to worship. And this is a reminder to us that the body of Christ, the church, is a relational organization. We are better together. The power of God lives and moves and breathes through human relationships. God works in the context of relationships. This couple, Achilla and Priscilla, would become lifelong friends of the Apostle Paul. They would minister to him and encourage him in the journey. We will read about them again and again throughout the writings of Paul because they were investing in the ministry, in the gospel of Jesus through Paul. It's also interesting, he may have met them because of where he was sitting in church. Some of you know that in the synagogue, the women would have sat on one side and the men would have sat on the other side, but you may not realize that in some synagogues, they also sat by trade. So the silversmiths may sit over here and the tent makers may sit in another section I was thinking about that and wondering, what if we did that? What if we said, okay, teachers over here, engineers there, um, all right, doctors here, plumbers, uh, you, uh, you get over there so you can make a quick accident if we have a plumbing problem. What would happen? Well, I'll tell you what would happen. You would begin to talk about your daily life. And there in the context of faith, you would see, oh, the gospel can affect my daily life. As the old preachers would say, whether I'm a butcher or a baker or a candlestick maker, whatever I am, God can use me for his glory. So the two tent makers meet, Paul and then the couple, Priscilla and Achilla. And there was this relationship of encouragement. I was studying this passage several weeks ago as I was preparing for this message And it turned out to be the last week of my friend Priscilla Reed's life, and we knew her life was coming to an end. So after I read through this passage, I I, I got on my phone, I was out of the country, and I texted uh, Priscilla's daughters, and I said, I want you to know, I'm reading in Scripture how Priscilla encouraged the Apostle Paul. And I want you to know that your mom, your Priscilla, has been a tremendous encouragement to me. I think about that and I look around and I just think of people that encourage me, that make a difference in my life, uh, that are regularly speaking the love of God over me and around me. And I want you to think about that in this moment. Who are your encouragers? And who are you encouraging? Who are you speaking those words of encouragement to? Well, how do they end up in Corinth then anyway? Well, Priscilla and Achilla ended up there because we're told that Claudius, the emperor of Rome, had ordered that all of the Jews leave Rome. Why would he do that? Well, we know from history there was an uprising of the Jews and it was was caused by a rebel named Crestus. C-H-R-E-S-T-U-S, Crestus. But we don't see anything else about this Crestus, so some historians believe that what was actually taking place is that one letter different, Christus, the Christ, people who had followed the Christ had caused a rebellion among the Jews. And just as we see everywhere else in the world, there was this uprising. And in Rome, the leader said, We don't want any of this, so just all of y'all leave. And it reminds us what we learned in Acts 17 that it's God that puts us where we are, it's God that determines our boundaries. Because as a result of that uprising and the Jews having to leave Rome, Achilla and Priscilla meet Paul here in Corinth. And they are the first sh- snapshots we see in the year and a half of Paul's life. Investing their lives, building a relationship, serving God together with Paul. So, a few questions. Are you investing in the things of God? Are you building relationships that advance the kingdom of God? Have you put your yes on the table, saying that you're willing to go anywhere and everywhere God asks you to go for his glory? Could it be that God might be calling you to be a part of a seed group to go to London? and to be a part of what God is doing there. Where is God preparing you to go? Here's what I'm recognizing as I mature in my faith. The more I understand God, the more open-handed I become. And say like the prophet Isaiah, here am I Lord, send me. At the core of the Christian life of gospel living is this Creed that tells us we must be ready to go. And for the Apostle Paul, this occupied him. I love what it says in this passage we read. He was occupied with the word. What is occupying your life? Where is your focus? What is driving you? Is it that goal of retirement? Is it your education? Is it to get a certain amount in your bank account or to have a certain kind of house or to drive a certain kind of car? Is that what drives you? Or are you being driven by the things of God? Billy Graham once said, we are not responsible for the last generation and we cannot bear the full responsibility for the next generation, but we do have our own generation. God will hold us responsible as as to how well we fulfill our responsibilities to this age and take advantage of our opportunities. What is God calling you to do? Are you ready to go? When I was growing up, every Sunday in church, we would have a come-forward invitation. And every Sunday, we would sing at least 37 verses of the invitational hymns (laughs) so that uh, somebody would come. (laughs) But if people came down the aisle, they... uh, they would sign a little card. Now, we don't always have a come-forward invitation in our church, and, and we don't really have people join the church in that way, because that can be confusing. Like the the song one of my seminary professors taught me, uh, just as I am without one plea, I'm here to sign form 103. I understand that lunch is free. I come. And, and so, um, so... But that's what happened when I was growing up. So you'd walk down the aisle and and you'd fill out the form and maybe it was uh, I'm choosing to begin a relationship with Jesus or maybe it was uh, I'm rededicating my life to Christ or or maybe it was uh, I want to join the church or maybe it was I'm committing my life to full-time Christian service. And I would just say to you, regardless of age, some of you, you still need to hear that call. God's asking you to go and to give your everything to him vocationally. And you need to put your yes on the table. You need to be ready to go. Our decision to go forward does not necessarily mean that it will always be easy, does it? How many of you have felt like you're answering God, you're doing what he wants you to do, and it still seems like you're fighting hell with water pistols? You ever had those days? But it's in those times that we have to seek the heart of God and discern when we walk away and when we stay where we are. Look at verse 6. When they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and he said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. For now I will go on to the Gentiles. And he left there and he went to the house of a man named Titius, Justice, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with all his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. What an example again of of just the life of the Apostle Paul, living the gospel life. Some people receive it, some people reject it, and some people said, let me just reflect on that for a while. We don't control the outcome. We just obey the command.
0: with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. And join us next Sunday at noon for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, AM 570 and 910.